0: Back to Gems Podcast. I'm the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today in the hot seat is Brenda Florida. And here is a bit about Brenda, y'all. She is a certified life coach and an expert at liberating her clients into freedom, confidence, and empowerment they crave. She is a fun and practical, irreverent and spiritual. She knows she has to live it to give it. So she lives what she coaches. Brenda is also the host of the podcast, Liberate Your People Pleaser. She is a regular blogger on Medium and has a YouTube channel. And you can find her on social media platforms such as Instagram and TikTok at Brenda Florida Coach or Brenda Florida Life Coach. And today we're gonna talk about Instead of being a people pleaser, learn how to be a self-pleaser. So without further ado, please welcome Brenda Florida to GEMS Podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, So I I love the way you said that, turning it from people pleasing into, you know, self-pleasing and taking care of yourself. And really, the way I like to talk about people pleasing, because a lot of people will think of it as like, oh, there's something wrong with me. This is something, you know, this is bad. I'm a people pleaser, yuck, you know. And I don't see any of it that way. The way I see it is that all the wonderful things that a people pleaser does for others, which is sort of the easy definition of a people pleaser, it's somebody who's giving to others, doing for others, uh, the, Problem is, they do it at their own expense. They do it more than they take care of themselves. So most people pleasers are overworked, overtired, you know, usually often overwhelmed but they also get a lot of sort of accolades for all this overfunctioning because people love it right in the workplace their boss their coworkers they love it they're never late on a deadline they'll always say yes to whatever projects you know they're helping their kids with all their stuff they're supporting all kinds of people and you know spouses and all kinds of things so you can get a lot of praise for it but it becomes exhausting when you're not balancing it with that taking care of yourself most people pleasers are super empathetic. And so that, you know, again, is sort of the double edged sword. Because all these gifts that you use for other people, all the ways that you, you know, are great at problem solving, great at reading a room, understanding how people are feeling. All you need to do is just turn those back on yourself. And so there's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) It's just like, I sort of, I thought of this metaphor yesterday. It's like wearing your clothes inside out. (laughs) It doesn't make them wrong, but they're not as attractive, you know, and you can have on something with pockets and suddenly it's like, it doesn't even have pockets because it's inside out. And the people pleasing part is the inside out part. When you take those same clothes and turn them right side out it's perfect so all you need to do is turn those gifts of service of intuition of knowing how people feel and give it to yourself first and then you can interact with others from that sort of overflow that happens when we're taking care of ourselves first does that
0: make sense Absolutely, it makes sense. And as you were talking about your analogy, the other analogy that I'd like to share to put in context is whenever we're traveling on an aircraft, I'm sure we've all been on an airplane, they tell you to put on your mask first before you assist somebody else with their mask, because that's practicing that self care it's having that self-awareness because if you're not taking care of yourself, what good are you going to be to help somebody else? And mm-hmm. for those of you out there wondering, am I a people pleaser? Like, is there something that I do to put others, uh, other needs above my own? I'm going to have Brenda give you a short quiz or checklist to see if you're a people pleaser. And if you are, then we're going to give you some tools on how you can navigate away from being a people pleaser to a self pleaser without being conceited or heightening your ego. So Brenda, let's play a, a quiz. Ask them some questions so we can begin to get their brain firing on all cylinders.
1: All right. So one of the things I like to ask is in a, Even a simple situation like, what should we have for dinner tonight? Or, you know, what activities should we do this weekend for fun? Okay. These are not loaded. These are simple, you know, questions that come up in any family or with friends or whatever. Do you first think, I wonder what they want to do? I wonder what he wants to do, she wants to do, you know, whatever, before you think about what you want to do? Or if you think about what you want to do, as soon as somebody else says something different, are you prioritizing there? So this word, I love the word prioritizing, because that's usually what makes the difference between a people pleaser and the normal give and take that happens in any relationship. Uh, And so if what happens is I either silence myself until I know what the other person wants, and then I agree, or... I know what I want, but when somebody else wants something different, I prioritize their want as more important. That would be an indicator that you're a people pleaser.
0: That's a good one. Okay. What's another one? All right.
1: So then we'll go a little deeper than that and we'll take it like in the context of a work environment. So in a work environment, are you putting your work aside to help a coworker who got behind. Are you not spotlighting yourself appropriately? So what I mean by that, of course, we're not talking about being egocentric or always like, Oh, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. But, but there's a sort of um, false sense of humility with most people pleasers where they're really uncomfortable bringing attention to their own good work and a lot of times even deflecting the compliments right so that's another way if you want to think about it that way when somebody says great job you know you did you really pulled us through on this or whatever is going on at work do you kind of feel uncomfortable with that and like oh it was a team effort or oh it was really someone else you know and you and you can't take that praise let alone in an appropriate context, offer it. Does that does that resonate?
0: Yeah, it definitely, that? it definitely resonates. And I'm gonna chime in there because sometimes when you're at work, you feel like going the extra mile is helping somebody else. Yes, it is. But are you neglecting your work to and sacrificing what you need to get done in order to help somebody else? and seeking their validation when in actuality Mm -hmm. they do the same for you and if so then you're being a people pleaser being uh rather than being a self-pleaser we can help our colleagues and etc but make sure that you have your bases covered and your Mm -hmm. deadlines are met before you overextend yourself
1: Mhm because one of the real trademarks of a people pleaser so we'll we'll put this in as the next <laughs> as the next question is do you wind up feeling responsible for other people and you might have to think about that a minute but it doesn't matter to me whether you're a mother a spouse a coworker whatever You are never responsible for another person. Now, if you've got really tiny children, there's a degree to which you're responsible for their well-being, right? But as they grow up, and I have four adult children, so I've I've been there, Um, as they grow up, you have to start letting go of that feeling responsible. So of course, I want to influence them right? I want to influence my children to make good decisions. But when they make bad decisions, I'm not responsible for that because I'm not them. Like we are all only responsible for ourselves, but in people pleasing, what we get conditioned into, and that's really how I like to think of people pleasing. It's a habit. It's something we get conditioned into. And especially for women, Uh, It's very culturally supported, encouraged, applauded, you know, that somehow it's our fault, like going back to the mother example, right? Like what isn't the mother's fault, right? (laughs) And so it's easy to take on that habit of feeling responsible for other people. But that is absolutely the telltale sign of being a people pleaser, Uh, and that's why there's so much freedom and liberation in breaking that habit and saying, no, I'm just going to be responsible for myself and I'm going to let sure I'll contribute. I'll, you know, brainstorm with somebody who wants me to brainstorm. I'll tell you what I think about what you should be doing. If that's the kind of relationship we have, but at the end of the day, I don't feel responsible for what you do.
0: Yes, and that's taking the power back because you only can control what you c- can control and don't worry about what you can't control. And I think that's a problem with people pleaser or not not necessarily a problem, something that they just need to work on is you're so mm-hmm. empathetic, you become an empath and you think other people's problems become your problems. And before yes. you know it, resentment builds up guilt builds up, you get angry, and you're wondering why you feel that way. But if you would have taken some time to just take a step back and analyze where you are, what you're doing, and how it's helping you, then you would be able to put things into perspective, in my opinion. Yes,
1: because I think that's the big thing with empathy. And I think empathy, it's such a popular thing right now. You know, Um, 20 years ago, nobody was talking about it. Now everybody is. But empathy without boundaries is to me, not whatever true empathy. It's not healthy empathy when, and I have plenty of clients um, that come to me with this because they have so much quote unquote empathy for others that again, they sort of lose track of how they feel or everybody else's feelings just get again, prioritized. And so after a while of that, you do get exhausted and you do get overwhelmed and you see, feel very unseen and unheard. Okay. And so if we, but that's not a healthy expression of empathy, a healthy expression of empathy has boundaries and it says, oh, okay. I get it that your feelings are hurt. Or I get it that you're stressed out about the world situation or, you know, whatever it is. And I'm over here in my own body with my own feelings and my own self, and I am separate from you. So I can get it. I can take that perspective or, you know, see that you have that perspective. I don't have to take it as my own. I can see that you're having those feelings. You have that perspective. And I'm over here having my own and it has equal value. And that's really the healthy expression of empathy is that you don't lose yourself in someone else's feelings or perspectives. You can see them, but then hang on to your own. Does that make sense?
0: That definitely makes sense. And um, during that, I hear boundaries.
1: Mm -hmm. I also
0: hear self-respect. Also here, taking, taking time to reflect, because that's so important, Mm -hmm. reflection, and then also analyze and observing.
1: Yes, yes. So again, if we go back to it, perceiving it as a habit, if that's our perspective of people pleasing, if I told you starting today, I want you to stop brushing your teeth, like You would just go, even if you were like, okay, Brenda, I'll play along. You know, (laughs) you would go into your bathroom tonight and brush your teeth and be like, oh my gosh, like I was going to stop doing this, right? Like it would take a while. That's what habits are. They're in our subconscious, the part of our brain that is not, it's not necessary to have a conscious thought about it, right? How many times we get in our car and just go somewhere that we always go. And we're not really thinking about how to get there because we've done it so many times our subconscious already knows. So that's what all people pleasing is. That's all any dysfunction is, any response to past traumas, all that. It's just habits we get into. And so to stop them is a process. It, sometimes the boundary is as simple as a no, right? Like, okay, I'm gonna stop taking on other people's feelings like they were my own. Okay. I can give myself that no, but then when you're, you know, flying off the handle and I'm in the same room with you, how can I do that? You know? So there is this, and there's an awareness. So one of the things I also talk about a lot is emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence has these four components of self-awareness how we then act because of that self-awareness, how we can perceive other people, and then how we can tie it all together and and manage our interactions with other people without leaving ourselves behind. And so, but self-awareness is the foundation of that, but it's not the end of it. Like it's the beginning of the journey instead of the end. You can't get to the end without the beginning. You can't bypass the self-awareness. So I'm going to have to notice, oh my gosh, I got so caught up in somebody else's anger. I lost myself today and just rode their roller coaster with it. Okay. So I noticed that. Now I really want to stop that. So the piece that I love for that is then like rehearsal. So let me replay that. The exact same thing happens. The ways I got triggered or the way that person got me caught up in their story happens exactly the same. What next time, if that happened, what would I want to do or say differently? And actually say it to yourself, like having those words come out of your mouth is a big deal. It's very different to think it, you know, we can think of all kinds of genius things in our heads, right? (laughs) But then when the pressure of the in the moment conversation comes, we lose our words, Right. That happens to all of us. I mean, one of my good friends who's a very good lawyer said, you know, I never make an opening statement without rehearsing it over and over and over. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, they're rehearsing. So we need to rehearse to find the language. I spend often times in a session with a client just helping them find their own language for how they want to express themselves because a people pleaser, frankly, isn't used to expressing themselves and their own truth and their own wants and their own needs. They're used to being in other people's wants and needs and figuring out how to express those. Are probably You're probably super good at that. But your own will feel more foreign to you and you'll be like, I, you know, and that's just normal. It's just part of the process of getting those clothes turned from inside out to right side out.
0: Absolutely. And the one challenge I want to leave our audience with is um, do the discover you exercise and put discover you on a piece of paper and then hyphen, who am I? and write down your strengths, write Mm -hmm. down what you like about yourself, write down what makes you smile, write down what makes you tick, and really connect with yourself. And you should be connecting with yourself on a mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical level, so you could have total alignment. And if you put in the work, you will be amazed at what you discover about yourself that you have been locking off because you were too afraid to tap into it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly had clients that I've given a similar exercise to, and they realize they don't even know, they don't know how to answer those questions. They've they've gone so far in doing and being for others that that they've lost it. So if you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I'm. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I would, you know, that's okay. Like, don't panic, just stay with it. And in a really loving way, the same way you would with a little child, like you can imagine, let's imagine a child that somehow comes into your care and they've been traumatized and they're not speaking, you know, and you can't figure out what in the world it is that they really want. They're not talking to you you would be so loving and so gentle and so slow, right? And being so kind to them to start to make them feel safe so that they can start revealing themselves to you. And that's what the inner you is waiting for, for you to send enough signals to that inner you that it knows it's safe and you're not gonna laugh at it or browbeat it or say, well, that's the dumbest thing." you know, I wanna be president. Well, you can't do that, Right. That's what the outer self has been conditioned to do. So the inner self keeps her mouth shut, you know? So we've got to create those conditions, which is our own internal environment where we are loving ourselves and accepting ourselves and being good enough to ourselves that that inner version that we shut down can come out and play.
0: Yes, we want to play y'all. We didn't come here to listen to this podcast For you to stay the same. We came Uh here so we can challenge you, so we can liberate you, and we can get you to take ownership of your voice, see yourself worthy, know that you're a masterpiece, know that you have incredible things to offer, and find out what makes you happy and who you are at the core. Yes, it's hard, but you know what? Things that come easy in life, we lose them quickly. Things that take time and you know the battle is hard you sustain them because you remember Mm -hmm. what the fight was to get there so true
1: once you're liberated you don't go back and put yourself back in that prison again you know and life things will tempt you you'll have people in your life who don't like it you know I had people in my life that didn't like it when I started taking care of myself instead of taking care of them at my own expense and so there's there's often that invitation from certain people to like, go back to the way you were. (laughs) Um, And you just have to be, you know, stand firm. And part of how you stand firm is how good it feels, right? I'm like, well, I I don't really want to give up. I'm a little scared because that person's being, you know, unkind, and I care what they think about me. But I don't want to give up this feeling of liberation that I'm starting to feel either. So I don't want to go back.
0: Absolutely, and as we begin to wind down, our last question before we jump into the call to action is: I want you to tell the listeners about your solve it method.
1: Hmm. Yes. Yes. So I'll dive into that by piggybacking off of what you said a minute ago with being worthy, and I have this really lovely story when my youngest—no, uh, she's in the middle. Anyway, one of my grandchildren was born, <laughs> and. I, she was like three days old. I'm in Connecticut visiting her and I pick her up and hold her for the first time. And now she's my second. So I've, I've been through the grandma thing once, you know, so it wasn't just a nostalgic moment, but I'm holding her. And for some reason in that moment, just the flood of love I had for her, you know, was so palpable and powerful to me. And I realized I just love her because she was born. Right. Like she's three days old. She's not cute yet. She's not funny. She's not, you know, there's no personality. She's crying and pooping, you know, and sleeping. So there's no personality. There's no, she's not doing anything for me. I just love her because she exists. And I had such an aha of this is what worthiness is. We're just worthy because we got born. That's it. That's all you had to do. End of story. You're worthy. So I have this self-coaching method framework, we could call it, that is called the solvent method. And I created it using it on myself and, you know, realized what I was doing and use it with clients all the time. And there's four parts to it. They're not an, there's not an order. It's not a hierarchy, but it's a way to look at what's happening to you and start to analyze What's, where is it off track? Where have I gotten into people pleasing or some kind of negative self-talk or what's, you know, imposter syndrome, all the things. So the four pieces of it are desire, thoughts, feelings, and action. And what we're doing is using those kind of four lenses is a nice way to think about it for whatever's going on. So I've got this project at work that's irritating me and I think it's the big problem. Um, and so since I think it's the problem now, let me put it through these four lenses. And so with something like that, maybe you're having trouble staying with your deadlines or whatever. So you're thinking action is the problem, but if you look at it through the other lenses, you realize, oh no, wait a minute. Actually, I don't even desire this thing. I'm not into this project. I don't, you know. And so then I'm having all these thoughts that are telling me, reminding me how much I don't want to do this. Um, And then we have the feelings that go along with that, that keep us off course, you know? And so it gives us that way to snapshot it and go, oh, okay. So I was focused on the action being the problem. But that's not really it. I need to accept if it's a work project, you probably can't do anything about the fact that you don't want to do it. You probably just have to do it. But to say, you know what, I'm I'm doing a project I don't really desire, just that awareness will help make it easier. And then you can look at those thoughts that are making that worse and worse and turn them into something that will make it better. Like, okay, I don't love this project. And, because and is so much better than but. Right. When we say, but we just undid whatever we said before we neutralized it. So usually in truth, when we use the word, but we mean, and so it's two things at once. I'm not enjoying this project and I'm going to do it because it's important to me to be good at my job. And so let me get thoughts and feelings that will support that. So I do love being good at my job and I love how that's going to help me be um, more confident when I ask for a raise at the end of the year, you know, just like whatever you need to do for yourself, excuse me, for yourself so that those thoughts and then the feelings will automatically come that will elevate your mood so you can go get on track with whatever action. So that's just one example, but you can come, sometimes the desire's the problem, sometimes the thoughts are the problem and the desire's right on. And, you know, it it goes all different ways, which is why I say the solvent method is for, there's four lenses to look through or four components um, because we don't just go straight up and down, you know, like a ladder. Um, But did that, was that a good example? Did that make
0: sense? Yeah, so there's four lenses and I I wrote them down because I want to include them in the show notes. So you said okay. desire, mm-hmm. thoughts, mm-hmm. feeling, and action. Yes. And you, could, you don't have to do them in sequential order, right?
1: No. In fact, you, the more I use it, especially you know with clients, but with myself too, I'll go back and forth. Like sometimes I go in thinking the thoughts are the problem. I know I'm being super critical or I don't think I'm good enough or something like that. And then when I get to desire, that's where I realize, actually, I don't really want to do this. And so in a way, my thoughts, even though my thoughts were coming at me in a painful way, they were trying to keep me from doing something I didn't really want to do anyway. So you can come at it from all directions. And so so I created this digital program for it. Um, I have a freebie that is a podcast where I teach it in a little worksheet. Um, And then even better, a deeper dive is my digital program because there are videos and worksheets to walk you through each one and how they can kind of intersect and loop around on each other to help you use it yourself to, you know, for your own self-coaching.
0: Okay. Awesome. So We'll definitely put those in the show notes. And now for our call to action part of the segment. Brenda, what is your call to action for our audience today after they hear this segment from going from a people pleaser to a self pleaser?
1: My call to action would be to think of something. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in your life. Uh, And maybe it's more important than what you're going to have for dinner you know, something kind of in the middle that you can really tune into and realize, you know what, I am keeping my mouth shut or, you know, giving up my perspective in this arena repeatedly. Maybe it's just with one person or maybe it's with a lot of people in your life, but like find that one thing. Don't think of people pleasing super big generally, like find one thing you can tune into and go, okay, on this I'm being a people pleaser. Every time my friends ask me where we want to go to hang out, I just keep my mouth shut and let everybody else decide, whatever it is. Okay. And then decide, okay, now wait a minute. If I was really claiming my own self, my own desires, my own truth, what would I want to do? Oh, I might suggest we go to, you know, a local restaurant or come to my house. Cause I wanted to bake a cake and feed everybody myself, like whatever it is, figure out what it is you would have wanted. And then the next time that comes up, be brave enough to say it. And if you can't, that's okay. Don't, don't criticize yourself. Then just store it away and go, okay, at least I noticed. I couldn't speak up for myself next time and watch for that next time until you actually experience speaking up for yourself in that and it will feel so beautiful. You'll, then that gets you started and you won't want to go back.
0: <laughs> yes, love that, Brenda. And now I want you to plug how the audience could connect with you via your website and where you primarily hang out on social media.
1: Yes, thank you. So my website super easy because it's my name, brendaflorida.com. So everything I've talked about is in one way or another on my website. And then on social, mostly I'm on Instagram. I do a lot of reels. I post every day. So on Instagram, I'm brendafloridacoach. And I'm easy to find because I have purple hair. And uh, <laughs> There are a few other Floridas, even Brenda Floridas on Instagram, but none with purple hair and I'm Brenda Florida coach. So that and brendaflorida.com will get you everything you want to know.
0: And there you have it listeners and viewers of gems podcast the Brenda Florida all of her contact information will be in the show notes make sure you share and subscribe to the podcast we are on 40 plus platforms you could also see all things video by heading on over to YouTube and typing at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And then lastly, but not least, I wanna thank you all for continuing to support the mission of GEMS podcast, where we educate, inspire, and motivate while also intersecting diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because it takes all of us coming together to make this world a better place. For those of you interested, and becoming a brand sponsor head on over to genesisamariscamp.net to learn out, learn more information we are currently ranked in the top 3% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com and i challenge you go from being a people pleaser to a self pleaser who's going to love you more than you You matter, you are here for a purpose, you are a masterpiece, and you are valuable. So start taking the authority back and embrace your inner superpower and let the world know what you have to say. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe At gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on Gems Podcast.